This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Alina. We both lost babies to SIDS in winter 2021. In the throes of grief, I reached out to a stranger on the internet and our friendship was born. In the years since, we've been working hard to survive, rebuild, and navigate the continual challenges that have come our way, including divorce, job loss, dating while bereaved, moving multiple times, health scares, pregnancy and parenting a living child, starting new jobs, and so much more. We are tired. Happily Ever After is out of the question for us, but this podcast documents our journeys to happier ever after because we believe life after loss is worth living. So join us as we laugh, cry, cry until we laugh. (laughs) Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. I'm Quinn's mom, and Aiden's mom is over on the other side of of my camera taking some deep breaths because it has been a day. It has been a day. It's 11.10 and it's been a day. <laughs> um, it's been a life, let's be honest. It has been a life. Well, I actually think you are so far away from your microphone, you're driving me crazy. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. great, but you're not going to stay there. <laughs> I know. Okay, let me move so I'm locked in. Locked and loaded. Beautiful. I love it. How's this? Better? This might be better. How does that sound? Sounds okay. excellent. Okay. So um, my overwhelmedness, I think, is actually appropriate to the topic yeah. at hand. We are talking about something today that, Judith, this was on our list of topics when we started this podcast. For a long time. I think we just didn't know how to approach it. But we're doing it today. Yeah, we're doing it today. I, my car had like a $6,000 repair and we are three months out of the window from when it could be fully covered by Nissan. <sighs> so we didn't do anything about it. Okay, we didn't do anything about it because my husband had lost his job and that was $6,000 and we didn't have $6,000. So we didn't do anything about it. Well, my husband got a new job. And the first, well, the second thing that we did was we're like, okay, we need to deal with this car. Since we did nothing for the car for six months, the battery exploded. And now (laughs) the battery is dead. Not only did it die, but it caused corrosion around the battery terminal. And so I got a call this morning that in addition to the transmission, which needs to be replaced for thousands of dollars, we also need to pay $463 to have the battery replaced and the transmission, the battery terminal cleaned and all this battery shit. And that's just to begin with. The lady said, she was like, this is just to begin with. Okay. So when we talk about the cost of loss, I don't think I ever would have said to myself two years later, two and a half years later, like $463 is related to Aiden's loss but it actually if you think about it tangentially like it is and I think a lot of us who've lost children can kind of like Mm -hmm. wind our way back and said well if this didn't happen then that wouldn't happen then this wouldn't happen that wouldn't happen and honestly when I think about the car it feels a part of this mess because my husband lost his job because he was grieving intensely and couldn't focus at work and so uh, lost his job and then we weren't able to afford it when the transmission died and so then we did nothing about it because we couldn't afford it and now that we can't afford it it caused more problems and now it's an extra $500 just to deal with a problem that was a problem of another problem and I can do this with so many financial implications so So many many. I can I can do this when I think of 2050 like if I think about childcare for my daughter if I think about even like the food I eat and how frequently we eat in or out it's all connected to this loss around Aiden, I can think about just seasons of my life where just an extra $500, an extra $1,000 because I'm dealing with this loss. 
So that brings us to our topic of today. We are talking about money today. Money. The cost of loss. And we didn't know how to approach it because I think we both feel that our experiences are unique and not necessarily representative of the entire world's, you know, view on and and um, life circumstances. And so we really want to hear from you. So we posted on our Instagram yesterday a few polls and a few questions open-ended questions. And let me tell you, Alina, I, I was not expecting the response. Mm-hmm. Were you? Wow, do people have a lot to say about this topic, which it makes sense. Hundreds, 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 hundreds. Hundreds of comments. To add on to what Judith was saying, this is a, this is, money is like a touchy and taboo topic. And I think we've heard from a lot of people that, that they feel like nobody talks about this, or at least not in their everyday life. Like they are drowning in the financial implications of their baby dying and they can't talk about this with anybody in their life, but we're here to talk about it. I want to start off with an enormous recognition of my own privilege. This was a, my son dying was a huge, had a huge impact financially on my life but I also was able to make it work, which I think a lot of people cannot cannot say. And we'll get into some people's stories um, shortly, but that's part of the reason why we wanted to reach out to all of you to get your experiences with this, because we're just, like Judith said, we're just two specific people who have two specific sets of circumstances. And this is like a global issue. We're all suffering an additional amount because of money after our child died. And I think that we're the exception, not the rule, in terms of what we were able to, like, do financially. It happened to be that when Aiden died, my husband and my husband had been in school for a long time. And so um, I stopped working. We can talk about, like, our financial circumstances. But I do feel like in the exact immediate aftermath, my husband got let go six months after our son died uh, Mm -hmm. the first time. So financially, things have not been necessarily easy, but it happened to be in that window of time when he died, we did have enough money. And so I feel like had he uh, had, I could have, there were a million different privileges, but I feel like um, that was a a blessing and a privilege. And I want to be mindful of the fact that had it been a year earlier when he was in school and I was working and not making a lot of money, our reality would have been entirely entirely different and I know that that just that one year of time made it so my grieving process was smoother because I had the ability to afford things that not everyone can afford like therapy and so I think Alina and I both recognize that we happen to be in financially privileged yes times when our children died Um, and the reason like I said earlier that we really opened this up because we know that we were lucky not that we are the rule you know, we yeah. are and I want to read, I want to read a comment we got from, from one of our very loyal listeners, because I think it like really, it, it, it also, it indicates like kind of how I think you and I feel about it. So let me find it. Hold on. Oh my God. We have so many messages about this. This is crazy. I'm having to go back so far to find the one that I'm looking for. Briar's mom. What's her account? There she is. She says, thank you for asking people these questions. It's really helped me further recognize my privilege, even though we're all navigating awful shit. We were fucked in other ways, but financially we are okay. And perspective is so important within and across communities. Um, And I think that's kind of how you and I feel. And I'm so glad we opened this up. And wow, do people have a lot to say. (laughs) 
So should we start with what prompted this conversation yes. Yes. in our lives now? Okay. Yes. So the reason why we're talking about this right now is, like I said, my husband got a new job. And so I want to be also, what I've learned through this just question and a ordeal is how different things are all over the world, especially people who live in Australia, Canada, and England. One person like was telling me what was going on there and I wrote back and like how they got paid leave and they had like their hospital book covers and I wrote back, we never should have asked for independence. We should have stayed part of the colonies. We should have stayed part of the United Kingdom. Like we were dumb. (laughs) Take me back to 1776. (laughs) That tea tax wasn't so bad after all. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, okay. But what happened was my husband, as part of his new job, you get offered life insurance. You get offered all types of insurance, health insurance, which doesn't come so easily here in America. So health insurance, life insurance, long-term disability insurance, short-term disability insurance, a number of different things. So my husband sent me like, okay, here are the things that we kind of discussed and selected. And I noticed that he put, took out a life insurance policy on our daughter, which I, we, we, our living daughter, which we had never done before, obviously. And it was for $10,000. And I called him and I was like, honey, if she dies, we're going to need way more than $10,000. Like, I I think we should up that to like $500,000, a million. Like, I know now how much loss costs. Like $10,000 is nothing. That's not going to cover anything. We must increase that policy. And he was like, Judith, that was the highest option. What did he say? He was like, Judith, the options were $500. Yeah, the options were $2,000, $5,000, $7,000, or $10,000. And that was the highest policy that I could get. <laughs> Which, first of all, I do I do find it endearing that he also picked the highest amount. Like, he was in your exact same headspace, which is like, I we too. got fucked by this. <laughs> we have to do as much as possible. Yes, 100%. But another, and then I said to him, I was like, why is it so low? Don't they know the cost of loss? Like, what kind of idiot insurance is making such low policies? <laughs> this is so dumb. Like, you know, certainly for spousal policies, it's millions. I know you can get millions, but for children to have $10,000 is a joke. And he said to me, he's like, well, I think uh, most children live. So, so most people aren't electing for this insurance. I think, second of all, they don't want to incentivize parents killing their children for the money. <laughs> but I, that was also funny. Like, that, what? I don't even know how to respond to um, that. Don't do that if you're considering it. It's not worth it. Having a dead kid don't, really sucks. It's not worth it because because you're going to need more than $10,000. That's why. So you might chill, you can kill, kill your child and get the $10,000, but it's going to get you a drop in the bucket. That will barely cover like your funeral costs, immediate therapy. I mean, you'd probably need long-term therapy after that. So, I mean, prison time, things are expensive in prison. You're going to need so a lot. So let's assume, I think that, I think that that insurance is intended to cover those like immediate short-term costs of funeral, burial, cremation. I think that's it. So let's talk about how much those things actually cost, because that was something that we talked about with people in our stories. And wow, was that a shocking number? So first of all, I want to say we did a poll and we said, how much did you spend in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of your loss? And the average amount that people spent 
was between six and seven thousand dollars. This is in the three months after loss. That's the average. And I want to note here that this includes people from all over the world. So there were places we talked to someone in Australia where a cremation, just a cremation, cost three thousand dollars, whereas Quinn's cremation, oh, four thousand dollars. Quinn's cremation cost three hundred dollars in the United States. So that's a huge difference. But I'll also note that in other countries. Funerals are paid for for children, which they are not here yes. in the United States. So this is like the average was between six and seven thousand. And we also have to say people responded with all different types of loss, which is a question we should have asked. But I realized that, that quickly yeah. we should have asked that people were responding in terms of miscarriage, stillbirth, infant loss, child loss, a lot of TFMR loss, a lot of TFMR loss. Yeah. So it's not entirely entirely apples to apples, Mm -hmm. meaning if you had a late miscarriage, you likely wouldn't be paying for a funeral cost and a burial. If you had a TFMR, you probably would be, but you wouldn't necessarily be paying for an ambulance ride. I mean, you might, but you're paying for other things. So um, it's hard to really like gauge because we didn't ask that question, but I still think that's probably very true. Yeah. That's six to $7,000 in the immediate three months after. On average. Yep which is insane. So if you think about it, I don't know where how what this is like in other countries, but there's this oft, often cited statistic here in the United States that I think it's like 60% of American families cannot handle a $500 emergency. That's just one car battery yeah. explosion. Um, so I don't know exactly what that statistic is, but it's something around that. A significant number of American families are cannot handle this unexpected cost. And and as a reminder, this is just the financial cost on top of the devastation, grief, and trauma of losing your child. Um, we asked uh, people how many people went into debt as a result of their child dying. And that answer, so... of people responded that, yes, they went into debt after their baby died. And and an additional 11% said almost. So 45% of people almost or did go into debt as a result of their baby dying. Um, We were talking about going into debt and someone shared this with us. Um, I'm I'm a low income earner and single parent and no one talks about this. When my baby died, I was working for a temp agency, so I had zero job security. I had to go on welfare, but there's a stipulation with welfare that if you don't have a child under two, you're required to work. So again, this person lost a child who would have been under two, who was born alive, died weeks later. Um, She says, and then I had to go through an exhaustive process to get a temporary disability in order to be exempt from the welfare work requirement, all to receive $540 a month. We ended up homeless two and a half months after my baby died. Almost five years later, I have not been able to recover financially. So this person lost their job and then couldn't even get welfare from the United States government to cover her living child and her expenses because she was required to work, which she was physically incapable of doing because of her grief. Yeah. It's fucked. Should we talk jobs while we're on that topic? No, because that's long-term, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So just as a note, everybody, we're going to separate this into two episodes because we're already, like, way into this and we've only been talking about the short-term. So more on more on job loss and stuff in our, in our second episode in this topic. 
but we'll continue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's, yes. People, when we asked about funeral and burial costs, it looks like um, it really was an even split. 25% said less than 500, 25% between 500 and 1500, 25% said more than 3000 and about 20% said between 1500 and 3000 mm-hmm. And this actually goes to speak and this is, about this is funeral specifically, how much funeral, funeral costs. Yep. Yes. And I, um, I like, I want to speak on both ends. Uh, on one hand, uh, I know that there are people who easily paid $15,000 for their plot. That's okay. like a very standard rate here, like between 10 and 15,000 for a plot. You know, obviously if you're in more high demand areas, it's higher, low demand areas, lowers, but I'd say around ten dollars $15,000. And then a lot of people realize, okay, my baby's going to be buried here. Like my husband and I, or my partner and I should have a plot nearby also. So it's like all of a sudden, let's say they're spending thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 buying plots, you know, you know, burial plots at yeah. age 30. That's not normal. Most people start to think about this in their 60s, maybe their 70s. Like, they start to think about that when maybe they're in a more financially secure position. But when your child is buried in one place, obviously, you're going to want to be near them. Um, I'll say that for my personal circumstances, uh, my son was built at Hillside Cemetery. And I'm only saying their name because we had such a wonderful experience in Los Angeles at Hillside Cemetery. And they covered the cost of burials and plots for children under the age of 12. And they also covered um, the headstone up until a certain number of words and letters. And so we ended up only paying $150 for the headstone because of extra words that we wanted to add. And it felt like such a hug and such a kindness that they offered to do that. Um, I'll say that there were people who said that there are, are organizations that will help cover the cost of a funeral. Um, we didn't have like any flowers. I know if we would have had like flowers and posters and so, you know, then it would be even more, but there, I know the Adeline Rose foundation, someone mentioned there are a few Mm -hmm. others that if you need help covering the costs of, you know, a headstone or plot that they will help with that. Um, I want to add one specific thing about faith and like faithful communities. I think that there are a lot of rituals around loss for a lot of different faiths and religions. And one of, and I've spoken about this before, but one of the um, costs associated with death in the Jewish community is that the dead individual needs to be accompanied at all time until they're in the ground. So you basically have someone who sits with the dead person from when they die and when to when they're buried. Typically Jewish in the Jewish faith, we try and bury our dead as soon as possible. Like I've heard of many circumstances where they bury the dead the exact same day as the loss, but certainly within 24 to 48 hours. Because of COVID, my son was with this guardian for five days. And so that total came out to being about $1,500. The thing that I love about um, the way it was presented to me was it was a donation, like a, we, it, there's no, they don't send you a bill. You know what I mean? Like they were very much so like, this is our rate, but mm-hmm. if you can't afford it, don't. Um, but on top of that, you know, you have rabbis or imams or priests that officiate the ceremony of the funeral. They need a donation too. It's not like required, but there's certainly an expectation that you donate to the congregation and that could be a few hundred dollars. So just the religious components could be a thousand, two thousand dollars yeah. if you're someone of a faith background. And yeah. I know that when we talk about cremation, one person said that the cremation was $1,000 for a two-pound baby, which was, like, what? mind-blowing to me. And that was a discounted rate, they said that. 
But my understanding is cremation is generally more affordable than a yeah. funeral. And if you're doing a funeral, like all these things kind of add up. Well, I think you can, we have to separate burial and funeral though, because I think you can have a funeral and have your child cremated and a funeral or have them buried. So from my perspective, Quinn's funeral, I'm using air quotes, was a Zoom memorial, which was free, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he was cremated and it cost, I believe, $300. Whereas you, Judith, you had an actual funeral at an actual cemetery and a bur- burial and you had all those religious components. So those, those types of costs were significantly higher for you than they were for me. Um, so we did ask um, if your baby has a headstone, what is the cost? And 74% of people said it cost over $500. So that's another $500. And 42% said more than $1,500. These are thousands of dollars that people are spending on. Of course they are, because it's the way you can continue to parent. Like, you don't want your baby's grave to be completely unmarked. Like, it makes perfect sense. But it's just the going rate for these things is exorbitant. And, I mean, we haven't even touched the medical side. If your baby died and there was any medical intervention, there was like, if your baby went to the hospital, like we didn't even touch any of that, your health and the baby's health like that. Let's put that aside for one second, because I just want to say one thing about Shiva, which other people said too, is a lot of people have a wake or they have some sort of ceremony. You have to feed the people who come to this. Now, mm-hmm. in my tradition, it's very normal for people to bring food, you know, but I mean, every Jewish event, dead, alive, happy, sad, has bagels, has food. You know, it would be very odd not to offer people food. Think about that. I mean, you're catering. You could be catering, like, for 20 people yeah. or for 50 people. 100%. And think of how much money that is to, to provide food at wakes. I know they have alcohol. Like, just to host this ridiculous dead baby party, it's not ridiculous in the act, just the cost is ridiculous. It could be another hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Okay, so that's just the immediate aftermath death. Yeah. Um, Should we tell a couple of stories about, I think we should like read a couple. So I'm going to read just a couple of the things that we heard from people about this immediate aftermath. So this one person says, um, we literally just got this message as we were recording. She says, um, our funeral home had someone anonymously cover the cost of cremation and anything else we wanted, which was truly the kindest gift during such a horrible time. Isn't that so nice that somebody, should I do that? Should I reach out to Quinn's funeral home and say, I'll pay for baby cremation? I feel like I should. (laughs) That's so nice. That's really nice. Um, We had a wonderful funeral director who lost her own baby 20 years ago taking care of everything. So that was so nice. Okay, so the immediate aftermath, some people said, was the autopsy in Mm. my, uh, in my, I don't remember. Did you have to pay for an autopsy? I did not have to pay for an autopsy. It was something that was done as part of the criminal justice system because I was being investigated for Quinn's death. (laughs) Yeah, but here, you know, people are saying uh, um, the autopsy, prescription for sleeping pills, the urn. And food for the funeral. Food is a big one. But okay, so the urn. Let's talk about urns. I mean, Mm -hmm. what is the cost for urns? Because I don't know. So the urn that came, I I could have gotten an urn through the funeral home. But first of all, they were hideous. And they were so overpriced. So the guy was like, we can throw in like an urn for like an extra, I forget how much he said, like a couple hundred bucks. And it felt like such a slimy used car salesman situation. I was like, no. (laughs) So we got Quinn returned to us and like this little plastic box which I still have for some reason. Um, and I purchased my urn on Etsy and it was beautiful. It's from Vitrified Studio. I'll try to remember to link them in the description. We've gotten pictures of so many beautiful urns from people. So many beautiful urns. Oh, oh my God. But the urns them. cost a couple hundred dollars I, in my experience. Um, depending on the size of the urn, like you could have a very expensive urn. I do think it's also sadly 
the size of the person being cremated inside of it. Um, I do think that obviously impacts it. Another interesting one that someone said was donor sperm to secure her son's donor, which made me feel so guilty, but I had to do it. You're going to want, like, you might want um, your child to be a full sibling. And so it makes sense that you would want to go and secure that donor sperm because you don't know when it'll come around again. Yeah. And also, I mean, immediately you realize that you have a short window. Like now is the time and it doesn't matter if you're ready or not. It sounds like she wants to get pregnant again. She knew that. And so she was immediately thinking about donor sperm and the costs of donor sperm. Yeah. A lot of people talk about DoorDash. Oh my gosh. That's such a good Seamless food services, paying for food because you don't have the energy to cook, to take care of yourself. Yep. Um, in my community, we had a meal train. Alina, did you have a meal train? Um, I didn't have an official meal train, but people brought us food, a, a lot of food. But I also wasn't eating. Someone actually said, and I laughed yeah. when they said this, she was like, we actually save money on food because we weren't eating, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was funny, but true. Yeah. But eventually I did start eating again. And I I was not able to cook for myself until about a year and a half later. Like I wouldn't even make toast. Same. I would eat bread because I could not even function enough to put a piece of bread into a toaster oven. And the so, first time you cooked, you just cried. And the first time I cooked, I cried. I think I actually talked about that on an episode. Um, so yeah, DoorDash, Grubhub, Seamless, whatever your delivery of choice is, that was certainly an extra expense that I was not anticipating. Another, this person says, flight to get the fuck out of my depressingly empty house and nursery. So that brings up flights and travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, either to leave or for people coming, you know, certainly and my, you know, everyone kind of paid for their own flight. I didn't pay for anyone's flight, but, um, I can imagine so many situations where people are spending a ton of money to fly last minute to be at a funeral. Um, thousands and thousands of thousands. I know my family paid thousands of dollars to get everyone there. Yeah. And there's someone I follow that we follow on Instagram. Her name is Carissa Barzi. I don't know. Barzi? Barzi? Um, her her son um, died when they were living in Oklahoma and they wanted to bury him in Kansas because that's where they they were moving back to. So they had to transport his his ashes. They had to transport and organize a remote funeral and then go to the funeral. They had, excuse me, they had to organize the funeral remotely um, and then do all of the travel and everything for that. So they were also paying additional money. And I think that's actually like kind of common, right? Like you were lucky you were living in a place that felt good to bury Aiden. Would you yeah. have buried him in St. Louis if you were still living in St. Louis? You would have buried him in Los Angeles, right? I would have had to fly him to Los Angeles. Yeah, I would have I would have flown him to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, absolutely. All right. Another thing, panic purchases. And this one is so relatable. When your baby dies, I, I think I was like fixated on finding the right thing to buy that would make me feel connected to him. So I'm buying like the breast milk jewelry. I'm like considering tattoos. I'm buying like shirts with his name on it. I was like buying like all of this stuff. Oh, this has a hedgehog. I have to buy it. Like all of this stuff. And like at some point, and I remember in a therapy session, me just having this like realization that I was buying all of this stuff that reminded me of him in an effort to make me feel like he was there and that it doesn't work. But it is expensive. Oh, yeah. But it is expensive. He's going to be dead no matter how many pieces of jewelry I have with his birthstone. You know? I did the same. Yeah. Um, someone said, 
uh, last weekend, we drove an hour to go to a coffee shop called Caroline's and bought a shirt, coffee mug, stickers, and tumblers because they all said Caroline on them. The cashier was like, oh, is your name Caroline? (laughs) And I remember just feeling so uncomfortable and unsure how to answer so I didn't seem crazy. I remember leaving there thinking, like, we have a problem. (laughs) But she says says the amount of money you're willing to just drop on anything that reminds you of your child is mind-boggling. Yes. A hundred percent yes. Yeah. That actually reminds me of something else, which is clothes. Someone mm-hmm. here said that they couldn't look at any clothes they wore while pregnant, yes. including pre-maternity clothes. And I had a very similar situation because I was only planning on being in LA for a few months. So I only had maternity clothes pretty much. And then a few non-maternity things. And because I didn't have a ton of non-maternity things, I wore them so much with Aiden and I couldn't wear them after. Yeah. So I couldn't wear my clothes I had. I couldn't wear my maternity clothes because I was no longer pregnant. My body didn't fit in my postpartum clothes because I had lost 10 pounds in a month. And so I had to basically buy an entire new wardrobe. Yep. Me too. Me too. Yeah, you also, because you lost so much weight. I lost so much weight. So I lost um, 20 pounds in the six months after Quinn died. 20 pounds? 22 pounds in the in the aftermath of Quinn dying. And so I went to a weight that was significantly below my pre-pregnancy weight. Um, so even my pre-pregnancy clothes weren't fitting. So I had to buy a whole new wardrobe then. And then now I've since gained some weight back and I had thrown away all of the clothes that I had worn, um, before pregnancy or in my postpartum days because they were so painful. So now I had to buy, I've had to buy two full new wardrobes. I'm the same. (laughs) I've bought so many wardrobes. And someone else said, they said they had to buy all new clothes for their subsequent children because they couldn't bear to put their subsequent children in all the clothes that their baby who died were or the clothes that they had bought for their baby who died because it was too painful. So they were also buying entire new wardrobes for their kids instead of being able to use hand-me-downs. We got rid of the bassinet. We got rid of the crib. We got rid of the pack and play it and died in. We got rid of, I mean, we got rid of, there were certain things we kept, but certain things were too painful. So basically I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter um, remember I was like registering for a bunch of things and I was embarrassed because yeah. people had bought me the same thing in a previous pregnancy, but I was putting it back on there because I couldn't stand to use it. That previous pregnancy, like literally like a year before, like less than a year yeah, before, it was a right? year before. And people literally bought the same thing for me twice. And I was embarrassed that I had to ask for it. But the truth is I couldn't give it, a, I couldn't give it to another baby. It's Aiden's. Oh my God, I'll never forget this diaper bag. I remember I told you I only had Aiden's diaper bag. And then I was like, I can't use Aiden's diaper bag because what if he comes back and he needs it? So then I overnighted a new diaper bag. This has Aiden's things in it. (laughs) Yeah, I bought a new diaper bag. And now I have two of the exact same diaper bag. And that's just how things are for everything. I have, it's double the cost for a bunch of things. I'm glad that I felt comfortable enough to save the stroller and the car seat because that's $500 right there. But think about if you couldn't. Think if you couldn't bear to, the crib is a few hundred dollars and the rocking chair is a few hundred dollars. Oh my God. Uh, Quinn's crib, like it was a perfectly good crib that was very expensive and brand new. And I, I'm not kidding you. Like I was saying to my family, I was like, we need to figure out a way to destroy this so that no baby ever uses it again because he had died in it, even though it had nothing to do actually with his death. He just happened to die there. But to me, it was haunted. And so I was like asking my dad, I was like, should I burn this crib? Like, I did not want to put it out on the street and let someone else use it. Like this perfectly good crib. I was like, I have to destroy this. Wait, I told you what we did with ours. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know what you did with yours. <laughs> we, we threw it away in a public dumpster in someone's apartment complex because I didn't want anyone else to use it, but I couldn't bear to have it on my property. So we went to some random apartment complex and threw it in their public dumpster. 
Okay, this person wrote something that I really relate to, which said, my husband is a doer in grief, so we spent $3,000 for him to build a new pool deck, which feels so relatable. Like, I'm also a doer, and so I would also spend, like, a crazy amount of money to redo, like, to have a project, you know? Yes, yes, to just distract yourself with something. Oh, my god. Yes. Well, um, but let's talk about health-related things for a while because those are in the immediate. Short-term health-related. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And let's start with the small things that people said. Mm-hmm. Um, parking. Hospital parking. parking is expensive. And yep. gas to and from the hospital is expensive. If you have a child that's in the NICU, you're mm-hmm. going every day. To and from the hospital? And someone else said, like, gas to go to a grocery store that's further away from her house, which I think is something that you would not think about. But gas expenses, to, to she, she could not bear to go to the grocery store near her, and she lives in a rural area, so she's driving really far to go to the grocery store and spending money on gas. I would have done the same thing. I get it. 100%. A, another thing I want to add before we talk about the healthcare thing is that um, a, a while ago we asked uh, – we were saying about how my husband got into a car crash a few weeks after Aiden died. And I asked if anyone else had two. And a lot of people had gone and gotten into car crashes or like other things happened, like a water pipe burst or they broke a leg because you're so checked out. You're not in your present state of mind. So you're maybe moving a little faster or a little slower or just a little mm-hmm. disoriented. And all of that can lead to more expensive challenges. So I mean, I know another woman who backed out of one of out of her driveway into an, her other car because she was so out of it, which I totally understand. But now she has two cars and two car crashes to deal with. So these things happen because you're so out of it. But okay, let's talk about um, healthcare related items because I All think right. it's crazy. Prescriptions, okay. sleeping pills. Um, anti-anxiety to anti-depression, medication to dry up your breast milk. Someone also said the cost of cabbage to dry up your breast milk, which admittedly is not a particularly high cost, but boy, that's painful to have to purchase at the grocery store. Yes. Um, yes. What other prescriptions? I mean, the medication, right? Like panic well, attacks. Some people talk about like hygienic pads and postpartum care, yeah. um, but you don't have a baby because your baby passed away. Exactly. So you're expecting to spend that money but you're expecting to have that baby in your arms and you're having to buy it anyway. And knowing you're going to then have birth, give birth again later with hopefully to an alive baby and have to buy it all over again. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about the cost of birth. Okay. To have one birth is a few thousand dollars in America. For me, it was $500, but, um, but yeah, for one birth, it's, it can be a few thousand dollars. I had two births in two years because my first baby died. So that's, Another few thousand dollars, another medical, like going to the office, another, all the same stuff, the expense of just having time off for more doctor's appointments, all the things, the blood tests and the panels and the, you know, all those things that I paid for the first time around for nothing because he didn't live. And then I had to do it again a year later and that was not expected. And let's also talk about one comment that someone had, and I know they meant this with the best of intentions, but they said, well, I didn't pay for childcare, so maybe it evened out. And I know that you and I have had that thought before where we're like, well, like it's basically the cost of childcare, but you have a child. So so you didn't like, yeah, you buy the cost of childcare, but you get something in return. Here you're buying something and you get nothing in return. Or they would say, well, you, you get something you don't want in return. 
Right. And and I'll, this is also something we'll talk about in the long-term costs, but but we have changed our approach to childcare because right. of the, the circumstances of our loss. And that's something we'll talk about in our next episode. But but our childcare going forward will be significantly more expensive than it would have been otherwise. So that's something we'll yes. talk about next episode. Well, let's look at the healthcare costs that I've seen pop up. So listen to this. Someone says, because I only had three prenatal visits before my miscarriage, they made me pay for all of those as gynecological visits with a copay instead of prenatal visits, which are completely covered by insurance. I spent hours on the phone. It was so triggering. It was like my pregnancy never happened. Wow, that's fucked up. Yep. That is so fucked up. Completely fucked. Um, People spoke a lot about IVF and the cost Mm -hmm. of IVF. And that's something that is going to be an issue for me. That's going to be an issue for you. I actually know someone who um, had a baby and uh, it was TFMR and she also hemorrhaged and it affected the quality of her eggs and it also, the hemorrhage also affected her uterine lining, something like that. And so she's had to do IVF three times, I think, three or four times since because of that TFMR. So, I mean, think about the cost of that, you know, because of this experience she's had and before she had no issues. She had no issues getting pregnant. She had no issues sustaining the pregnancy. And now these costs are just huge. I mean, that could be $75,000, three rounds of IVF. Yeah. Um, could be. It probably so is. So people talk a lot. This person says health, health insurance didn't cover my D&E due to state laws. So that was out of pocket. Fucking abortion access. Yes. God. Let's talk about abortion access. If you can't get a D&E or a DNC or a TFMR in your state, mm-hmm. you're going to have to travel to another state. Yep. Even if it's one state over, that's mm-hmm. gas, that's flights, that's hospital stays. I yep. mean, you probably have to stay in a hotel for a couple of days. And a lot of insurance doesn't cover out-of-state care. So right. you have to pay out-of-pocket. So out-of-pocket for the procedure, for the hospital stage, for everything. You're going to have to pay out-of-pocket. Mm-hmm. Another cost that somebody mentioned, uh, another test uh, cost that somebody mentioned is getting genome sequencing or testing done on your baby. Um, to see what went wrong, to see if it'll happen again. So if you're someone having recurrent miscarriages, if you had an unexplained stillbirth, um, TFMR, depending on the type of disorder, you might be doing a whole bunch of genetic sequencing and testing on yourself or your baby that might may or may not be covered by insurance. Um, Judith and I were lucky enough to get our genetic testing done through the Roberts program, which does it for free for families. But by the way, I had to pay for his material genetic materials to be sent to the true yes the same as well 70 something dollars which i'm not complaining about but it was 70 something dollars just to get the materials sent there yep um even though they cover the cost of the other genome sequencing Uh, i mean a lot of times you're reading meeting your out-of-pocket max and you're meeting your deductibles um just to get to the next stage so it could be five ten fifteen thousand dollars just to meet those and then things be covered. So even if you have insurance and insurance is covering it, you still have to meet the deductible, which could be thousands of dollars. Um, another thing we have to talk about is ambulances. Quinn got uh, an ambulance ride and he was already dead. Quinn was dead. And I did not want to transport him to the hospital, but nobody asked me, should we transport him to the hospital? They were just like, we'll transport him to the hospital and just took him away. And that ambulance ride was billed to us for $8,000. The ambulance and, um, excuse me, an emergency room bill. Again, for a corpse, $8,000. We were, able, we were able to negotiate it down. I think we wound up paying somewhere around $2,500, $3,000 for that. But again, 
my child had just died and I was on the phone with the hospital. I was on the phone with the insurance company. I was on the phone with like all these fucking people to try to get this down. And then at the end, I probably could have negotiated down further, but I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to pay it. Like I was so tired. I could not, I couldn't do it. One person spoke about being on bed rest in the hospital. She had to be in bed rest in the hospital. Maybe she had PPROM or I don't know what happened. And then her son, I believe his name is Xander, um, passed away. But she had to pay for the weeks that she was on bed rest in the hospital. And she had to pay probably for a NICU stay or whatever medical care Xander needed. But think of the cost of just being in a hospital for weeks on end. That's That could be, one person said they had a million dollars. Do you remember, did you read that one? Somebody yeah, said I'm, they I'm had trying a million to find dollar. It. So this person says, our loss was preceded by months of specialist appointments, trauma, and a month-long ICU stay. The medical bills themselves were upwards of half a million dollars, which insurance did not cover. Um, I asked if they're going to be responsible for that money, and they said that technically, yes, the hospital is allowing a payment plan. Um, After a certain amount of payments, they said they'd write it off, but it's showing up right now as a debt on their credit report for over half a million dollars. Isn't that sick? I mean, it's nauseating. It's like nauseating. This person said that she had a TFMR at 25 weeks and six days, and it was $7,200, but they couldn't get her in until 26 and two days. So from 25 and six days to 26 and two days. And so the cost went up to $1,800. So for three days, it was going to be $1,600 difference. For three days for a child that was not going to live that she wanted out. This person had to have a TFMR due to triploidy, which is when one of the chromosomes, there's three copies instead of two, and their insurance did not cover the procedure. Um, It was $1,900, and they were also told they could not use their HSA card. HSA, if you're not outside of the United States, is a health savings account that you can use pre-tax money um, to pay for things, but they were not allowed to use their HSA or their insurance, and the procedure had to be paid in full the day of the procedure. Oh, my God. So I think that is probably a good place to stop for today on, on this is the immediate aftermath and holy shit. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say Judith right now, like, I think you and I should put in our stories the week this comes out, like some question boxes that ask, like, what are some foundations that help with these costs? Because I have a feeling people are going to listen to this episode and feel really helpless and freaked out. And if people have money they'd like to donate toward this, I think it would be a good thing for us to do to to gather some resources for that. So plan to find that on our Instagram stories this week. And next week, we will continue this conversation with long-term costs, which will be fun. I mean, not fun, but I'm really glad we're having this talk because it makes me feel better about this $500 bill that I have for a stupid (laughs) car. But um, let's just finish by saying the other story that happened to me yesterday, which was yesterday, dealing with this dumb car, um, yesterday was a really important and special day in my life because I have, since the beginning of this podcast, said that my dream, my happier ever after, would be for my family to wake up in the morning my husband to get dressed in a suit and go to work, me to get up, get dressed and go to work. And both of us come home alive, talk about our days and all go to bed at, like a normal family. Like that was what I dreamed of. Steady, safety, security, normalcy. For the first time in a long time, I don't have any plans to move. 
like probably the first time in 10 years. I, I, I'm not moving anywhere anytime soon. My husband and I are both employed for a total of two days now, but still we'll take it. Um, and I was like, okay, I was feeling so good in my heart. I was so happy. I was giddy. Like we actually, I called you Alina and I was like crying of joy because yeah. I felt like I had, I had made it. And, um, and so I decided I was going to tackle this car that's been sitting in my driveway and the tow person came to tow the car. And, um, when he came, he was like, <laughs> I was like talking to him about like what I should do. I was like talking to him about like chemicals in the battery like I was just talking about all sorts of things and he's like wow like you're really happy for someone who had their transmission tie he's like this is going to be probably thousands of dollars you're like pretty happy about it he was like why are you he literally said to me why are you so happy (laughs) and I was like oh dad that's his name I was like dad it's just a car it's just money like what is money it's just money and it's not like I have the six thousand dollars lying around to give (laughs) But I do think it's gotten given me perspective as to what's important in life. And yeah. it's given me perspective as to, yes, money is important, but our health, our safety, our everything uh, in, in some ways more important. Yes. Money is just a facilitator. It's a means to an end. And it's a privilege to me that my biggest worry is a $6,000 car because I've lived for so long with such other stressors yeah. that I feel like zero dollars no longer feels intimidating in the way that it once did. It feels... It's like kind of beautiful that you were just dealing with a broken transmission. Just dealing with a broken transmission. Even though it is Aiden's fault that your transmission's dead. To all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at aslongasimlivingpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at as long as I'm living podcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grieving brains allow. Yay.